0: Should I, should I, should I get bangs? Should I should I? Should I get bangs?
1: Hello and welcome to Should I Get Bangs? I am your host, Julia Rossi, and today's guest is the wonderful Rhea Butcher. They are a comedian, actor, writer. They have a new album out called Pull Yourself Up by Your Bootleg. Great podcast called Three Strikes. And Holy shit! I didn't realize Rhea and I had so much in common. This was such a great conversation.
0: Like well, had a, a pretty big breakup, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I, I just kind of did everything differently than I than I usually did. Now, not everything, but I. That's why I said kind of everything. Um, and within like days of the sort of crescendo of that. Um, I I really, I I had this book uh, called um, When Things Fall Apart by Pema Chodron. Mm -hmm. And I had purchased it uh, four years before this moment, you know? So it's one of those moments too, where you go like, and it feels like everything, everything is like lining up, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I just like, it's like, I walked into a room I was like super sad and did not know what to do. Just alone, super sad, did not know what to do. And it's like, I just walked into this room without knowing that's what I was going to do and just looked and walked directly to the book and took it off the shelf and read the whole thing. You know, and I I had purchased it four years before when my grandmother was dying, mm. uh, which is one of the hardest, I mean, probably one of the most difficult things I um, really experienced. One of the most difficult things I experienced that I was not experiencing, you know, from like a like watching another human being experience uh death basically mm-hmm. um was just really incredibly difficult. Um was that and, your first major death that you experienced? Yeah, I mean my grandfather had died when I was in high school, but he he literally he was he was like always old. He was 15 years older than my grandmother, you know, so it was kind of like, well this guy, it's like I was prepared, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Even even as a child, you know, and um, I was still incredibly sad but he also like woke up one morning and then and like went back to bed and died. You know, it was like he just woke up and died one morning. Dream way like, of dying. Yeah, exactly like yeah. the ideal like that's what we all want. Mm-hmm. You know, dying at home in bed, you know, at like 88 years old. Um like he did it, you know, he did it. And uh, you know, and and I had other people in my life that died that, that it was really incredibly sad, but this was like my, I grew up in my grandparents' home. Like my mm. mom moved back in with her parents, um, when I was under a year old. So my grandparents, but more specifically, my grandmother was really like a second parent, yeah. you know, me, cause I spent most of like when my mom was working, she was a single mom who was working. My grandmother, me and my grandma hung out, you know, so it really felt like a parent yeah. um, at that time. And it was, devastating it was devastating and it wasn't she was 88 but like she was all right you know and it was like this uh very tumultuous like uh like the hospital decided to try out some like uh she was supposed to get a pacemaker and they were like well let's try this uh pharmaceutical pacemaker like a medical let's try it out and see how it goes and then if that doesn't work then we'll give you a pacemaker which I guess you know the the thinking there is you know don't if you can avoid putting a, an 88 year old woman under anesthesia, great. However, she reacted horribly to it. Um, she had a debit, like it, it killed her, like the medication killed her and they ignored her DNR and resuscitated her. Oh my God. <laughs> so basically medical malpractice, uh, you know, and like not knowing that at the time and then sort it's like, and so then she was just like not not any. it was just like waiting for her to leave, basically, because she, you're eighty eight years old and that all that it was just it was awful. It was awful. And she literally got close to it I watched her walk up to the door multiple times. you know what I mean? Like I watched her like walk to the thing and just not wanna go, you know, oh. um, and keep coming back. It was not it was wild. It was like a it was like a whole like spiritual it was the first time i really experienced anything like that and and it was just, it was a lot <laughs> yeah i mean i will say this
1: and i and i think a lot of us do this i feel like whenever people talk about somebody old dying we always and especially at like grandparents cuz i i did this too when my 96 year old grandmother died i remember like doing people were like i'm so sorry i'm like oh but it's okay she was old it's just my grandma isn't it like you know there's a lot of cushioning of that and the thing is someone you know, for anyone listening, I, I feel very strongly, like, it doesn't matter if they were 105. I mean, obviously, young death is very devastating for a very different reason. Um, you know, but, you know, someone can die who's older, and it can hurt just as much if they die mm. at 80 than if they die at 60. You know, so yeah, I just I I always think it's really interesting, because I think a lot of people speak that way, especially when it's a grandparent. And it's like, you know, my grandmother at ninety six, I mean, she was just this very special, like she was like a basic like she was an old Italian woman that wore black mm-hmm. since her husband died twenty right. five years previous or whatever, always carrying rosary beads, and was just this, you know, angel on earth. And so, of course I'm gonna be devastated when she died, if she was a horrible person, <laughs> you know, I would be like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, ninety well, six. Yeah, right. But yeah. uh I don't I had know. A good one. Yeah.
0: Yeah, she yeah, her- I mean, <laughs> it's like it's both things, right? It's like I'm, I'm so like I know my grandmother was overall ready to go because she had mm-hmm. been saying that, but in that moment she was not. You know, it, it's like yeah. that was not. It, you know what I mean? And like, um, and and also just I, I you don't I don't wish that on anybody, of course no matter not. what their age or anything. And and it's like I can't control that, obviously, but um, but yeah, like you said, it's like both things. I can also look at that, look back on that now with a lot of like perspective and understanding and be grateful for the time that she did have and all those things, like all those things. But at the time,
1: not at all. No, nor should you have to.
0: Yeah, no. And also it kind of, you know, it gives me a lot of perspective and empathy and understanding, which I would like to think I would have anyways. However, this definitely informed my feelings around what's going on in the pandemic that the callousness around like oh well it's only affecting old people like what you don't give a shit about old people like uh,
1: they're still here <laughs> I, mean, if I mean? anything we should care more because they've worked so hard I
0: know I know and we, they should all go uh, in their sleep like your grandfather yeah I know I know I know it's it's You know, there's this phrase about like, you know, uh, everybody gets old, but not everybody becomes an elder. You know, have you ever heard that phrase? Oh, no, I haven't. But I get Uh, it. Yeah. And so I don't know the origination of it. I've heard many, you know, different cultures say it. So I think it's just kind of one of those basic human sayings that everybody kind of relates to. And I think, you know, the other side of that is like, we, we just treat people as old, we don't treat them as elders, you know? In, yeah. in our culture, and our society, specific to America, you know, <laughs> that it's like, um, I just think it's important, you know, it's, I, I think you can judge any society, any culture, uh, by how they treat their, you know, their, the their smallest creatures, you know what I mean? And, and to me, small is like, who, like the elderly, or children, or the poor, you know, whatever it is, and like, it's just important. Like nobody is disposable. Nobody, even no. even people who do bad things are not disposable. You know, like everyone, everyone is here and everyone is valuable. Like, And I, I mean, valuable outside of like worth within capitalism, you know, like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. So you get this book when that happened yes. and for whatever yeah. reason you couldn't read it then.
0: No, I like, I I remember trying and it feels like one of those times where Um, uh, it was like, I, it's like, I was reading a foreign language. Like I just couldn't even, I couldn't like focus on anything for very long. Um, and I couldn't keep my attention in something like that. And I just, it was just too much. It was Mm -hmm. just too much, you know? And then whatever so cut to four years, four years after that, then like picking it up and literally reading the whole thing in a morning. Cause it's not a very long book mm-hmm. and it's really not even that heady, you know, but it is, it is confronting of the human experience. It's confronting of, um, you are living in your head, And the, and one of the better places to live is in your heart, you know, which is to also say to live in your body instead of in your head, which is the point of meditation, you know, a point, I should say a point. Um, and I had just never done anything like that. I had all these ideas of what I thought meditation was and what it was for and what it was supposed to be and how I needed to look and what I needed to do and how much money it was supposed to cost and all that stuff. And I just read that whole thing exactly when I needed to read it. You know, it was and like, you hadn't meditated up until that point. No, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I no. I thought meditation was something that you paid five hundred dollars to go do in a room, uh, and it was a thing that David Lynch did. You know, and like, okay. I don't know how to do that, and I don't want to pay five hundred dollars. So I guess I'm never going to meditate because because that's also the thing that you know in in the years after reading this and the change that it's brought about is that there is no one way to do anything you know mm-hmm. like it was just offering me a, uh, one one way that is a very loose and pretty general way of doing it and a specific practice that worked at that time and then i tried multiple different things you know and uh i have been meditating on a daily basis basically ever since oh wow that's great yeah. we'll be right back
1: after a quick
2: break
0: Do you feel like up until that point you were living in your head mostly? Oh, 100%. 100%. I was living completely and solely in my brain. I mean, living, I would say 99% of the time. I still had access to my heart because I think, you know, even when I, even when I, a human being, do bad things, I am not those bad things. Like those are bad, bad things that I I've done their actions, you know, that, yeah. that, and they have consequences, you know, and sometimes it's like, Oh, i like, I literally made a mistake today on Twitter and was just like, Oh, I see why I made that mistake because I, I didn't feel well. I was mad about a lot of things and I just picked up something and I ran with it, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I wasn't slowed down, you know, and that's what meditation has helped me Grasp is like it, it is literally a pause. You know, it's literally just the ability to slow down enough to have a thought go through my brain and just go, Oh, that's just a thought. That's not reality.
1: And so you saw a huge, so you go through this really massive breakup and you read mm-hmm. this book in a morning. And so this was like a huge breakthrough for you. Like, were you in yeah. like, a, like, so what was the difference? I mean, I, you know, you just shared that shift. But Absolutely. Like, yeah.
0: Was it a dramatic shift that occurred? Like, I mean, I feel like it is. And, yeah. and the, the reason that it's a dramatic shift is, and I don't want to mislead anybody, but I felt that moment in that day doing that, like truly sitting down and doing it and, and trying my best to do the thing that I was presented with uh, was a dramatic internal shift mm. on, on many levels. And it is not like, it's not like I, I meditated, I became a different person. It's like I I sat down, I had multiple thoughts and I listened to the quiet one, which was go into that room, grab the book, read it. That was it. you know just like very simple thoughts like I have had mul- like multiple quiet thoughts over my life and my tendency is to go to the really loud one that's screaming at me and that is not like intuition. That's what I've learned in doing meditation over the course of these years is, getting in touch with my intuition, with my feeling, with my spiritual side and what is internal to me, you know, like getting uh, closer to the compass that is inside of me. And that's the beginning of that experience. And so that's why it was like, huge, it was like a huge breakthrough. Um, and then I literally like I meditated. And then I, I got a phone call moments later from a therapist that I had just reached out to the night before. And she was like, Oh, yeah, I have a, an opening. And then I went to somatic therapy. And it was basically the same shit. It was like everything just like lined up, you know? And like, that was other, what you're supposed to do. Can you explain yeah. somatic therapy? Uh, Sure. T- I can from from the patient side yeah. and my experience <laughs> of it, just to give that, you know, little yeah. uh, disclaimer or whatever. But um, I didn't even honestly really know what it was when I went into it. But I knew I had like what I would describe as a somewhat toxic relationship with my therapist I would at least say your old, let's, your old therapist before yes this? I, I had a therapist I literally like broke up with her it oh. was very codependent I would put it that way let's say that it was a wait, codependent... need to know more about that okay great <laughs> wait explain somatic therapy and then tell me about the sure. toxic therapist right. uh so I uh, I, I go to this therapist and what you do, this is the way my therapist pract- has uh, lays out her practice, which is we talk uh, a little, and, and it's shifted over the years and it's, it's different over Zoom now. But one of those first things was, I basically like, I mean, I had a lot to vomit out to this person because I just had a crazy experience with my old therapist. Um, so it started out as talk therapy and then very quickly it becomes about like, Well, let's slow down and like take a breath and like feel feel the couch underneath you and like feel Mm. your feet on the ground and like stuff like that and then usually then then it's like slowing down within the talk part of it the sharing part of it and really um anchoring in the space and and getting down into your body as opposed to up in your head in this crazy story loop that is going on in my brain right And then at the end with about 30 minutes left, she would usually get like a massage table thing out and do like, sometimes we would do breath work. Sometimes we would do like walking around the room work, which was also similar to breath work. Um, And then sometimes she would just like find these like pressure points in my back and just like talk me through the things we were talking about and then talk me through where that was taking me. And so like some of the stuff that we did, like I basically was going back into my childhood and experiences and she was like walking me towards like the kinder, lighter places in those Mm -hmm. memories as opposed to the darker ones um, to show me that there were those spaces in those traumatic memories that I can go to when they're coming back, you know? So that's part of it. And I've I've also done like hypnosis, which is really just like concentrated meditation. You know, I've never been like or anything. It's just a very deep, uh, personalized meditation you know almost
1: yeah i i mean i i've done so many different things and i i miss this woman greatly but when I was living in New york i don't know if she called it somatic therapy but she similar it was very similar to that it was hmm. like a half hour of talking a lot of like feel the feet and all that stuff and yeah. then i get on the table and we never did the walk around the room but it it wasn't because one time I was like, Are you doing Reiki? And it was really funny because she's like, yeah. um, she got like kind of insulted. It was the only time she yeah. ever got a little she's like, um, you can become a Reiki master in a two-day course. I went to school for four years. And I was like, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but she it was it was something similar in that she would like move energy and sort of mm. do these like guided breath work things. And I would always she would always have me like like I would see visuals. Yeah, and there was so much symbolism there, and you know, I, it's funny. Like as I've gotten older, I've always been very open minded to this stuff, open minded but also very conscious. Like I can tell when I'm yeah. being scammed, yep, and I can tell when it's real. I think I've had a pretty, I've had pretty good luck. Let's put it that sure. way. <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, my whole thing is like I, I recommended her to people. Most people who saw her loved it. Some people thought it was weird whatever works, you know what I mean? As long as there's no harm being done, I'm like, try it all and see what thing could work for you. Cause I, when my friend explained what she was doing, I was like, that's interesting. And Mm -hmm. it, it, I mean, it it truly changed my life. It was like this added, cause I was already doing the meditation stuff, but she, Mm -hmm. she tapped into something that my other, cause I I had been going to talk therapy for a long time and I was kind of just sick of talking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's why yeah. I started a podcast because I'm sick of right. talking. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> well, I mean, that is the thing about, you know, and, and I hesitate. I don't I, I so many people on Twitter and I've even seen this be a conversation on Twitter. And the uh, the the answer is. Rhea, get off Twitter. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's it's what not- the answer always is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a dangerous place for me sometimes. You know what I mean? Uh, more often than not, but, but anyway, it's hard. There, I, there's where's community? You know what I mean? It's like hard to find conversation, and that is one of the places that it happens to exist. But it's like, literally, the tagline I think where I, I know, I know what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm breaking down is what's happening. <laughs> but you know this this sort of like I'm glad that we're. Talking about therapy as like a thing that is helpful, but like anything in our culture, in American culture, it then becomes the one thing. And then it becomes, it's like that one thing is supposed to solve everything. Because, like, even seeing the somatic therapist, like, I need, I, I have learned that I, as a human being, need more than this just one appointment yeah. every two weeks to be a whole and like, like, uh, you know, uh, be a whole and sort of like, you can't cure it is, I guess what I'm trying to say. Like it's all, what we are trying to do is grow and evolve and continue, you know, like therapy. I think we set this expectation as a society and a culture that like you go to therapy and then you get fixed, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's like your life. Yeah. You go, you break your arm, you go get a cast and then it, it, it resets and then you're fine. And it's like, that's not actually like how mental health works. And like, there are many things that you need to learn to do and and many tools that you can pick up and put back down and like, try, like you said, you'd been doing meditation for all this time. And then you go do this thing and it's like this whole new level of something else. And then that opens up a whole new thing. You know, it's like,
2: you keep, you keep
0: going, you know, time, time is not Actually, real. <laughs> it's something we made up, and also our brains are like so limited. Yeah, you know, in our understanding of what any of this actually
1: is. Don't but even get me started on how time's not real. This just- this podcast will be twenty hours or five minutes because time. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. Time it, it actually isn't. <laughs> not, well, not I in know. the way that we think. And I'm wearing a watch. Yeah, you know what
1: I mean. Like. Well, I had a wild, so after seeing this woman, then when I moved to LA, I got a, a new talk therapist, but then I started seeing a, uh, and I still see him. It's a chiropractor who, uh, he doesn't crack you. It's like really- I had one too. Yeah, really deep like muscle work. Yes. yes. And his whole thing was about, um, and he's he's like a white coat. You know what I mean? Like he's like a doctor. Yeah. It wasn't, I didn't, there was no crystals in his office. Like I, I had no, there was no clues that he would be- I'm I'm making a a body movement right now, but no one can yeah, see me right? like a like a weight like yeah. a ooh, you know, uh, and then he starts asking me about my childhood and trauma and all this stuff because his whole thing is that trauma lives in your body yep. and that's what causes a cer- certain kinds of pain and that blew my mind because I was like oh my god I didn't even realize I needed body work yes. because <laughs> talk therapy you can talk about all this stuff but then there's yep. like stuff that still lives
0: physically in your body. And and I, as you talk about it, your body is reliving it as you're talking about oh, it, which is what the somatic therapy did for me yeah. is to recognize that thing that you're talking about, because I was also going to body work and I had a similar experience with a chiropractor who did have crystals in his office. And there's other, I love, love crystals. Of course, me too. You, you have, have to, <laughs> if you live in LA, you have to, you yeah. have to be okay with it. Uh, and I went to him for years and I would feel great. And then guess what? I would go back to my life and then my shoulder would hurt again. Yeah. You know, and then I found out, oh, I need physical therapy also. So I need like physical therapy, the chiropractic adjustment, and also somatic therapy. So that when I'm emotionally experiencing that thing and my body starts to experience it, somebody goes, What are you feeling in your body right now? And I go, Oh, I'm my shoulder hurts. <laughs> and yeah. like all of those things, I needed all of those things. For my shoulder to be 50% better. But my shoulder is 50% better. Yeah. You know and what so, I mean?
1: <laughs> and so you had... So I want to hear about the shitty therapist, because I actually do this sure. thing, this is a very important... So I've, I've, I've talked about therapy a lot on the podcast, and sometimes my sister Great. comes on the podcast because she is a therapist, and, oh. I, and I... She's not my therapist, but she comes on as an <laughs> expert. Uh, I might even have her on at the end of this one. We'll see. But I... Oh, yeah. She... So I'm a huge advocate of therapy, but I'm so glad that you brought up having a bad therapist because I, I had a bad therapist once too. And mm-hmm. I think it's really important because like, just like you're saying, you know, you sometimes need multiple tools yes. to work on things. I also think it's very important to to trust your intuition, which I know yeah. if you're going to therapy yeah. to get better intuition, it's kind of a catch 22. But, <laughs> but if you're in therapy and you feel like it is off, and you're not yeah. feeling better. But...
0: Go go ahead, Julia. I was going to say there ca-
1: there can be bad therapists, but yeah, what were you going to say?
0: Well, that's that's the whole thing. What you just said is that like, and that's why I, I changed. Uh, I was like, I had a bad experience with a therapist because I think she's a good therapist for other people, but yeah, I uh, and this is something that I've you know I feel like I'm in a much better place today than before. Um, I, I I did not realize how codependent I was. You know what I mean? And I think that's codependency is you can't see it. (laughs) And you're like, you can't fix codependency with a codependent brain. You know what I mean? Like in your
1: relationships.
0: Yes. In all of them. In in every, relating to other human beings. I did not realize the, that, and and that's out of like growing up in dysfunction. You know what I mean? Like growing up in dysfunctional home. And like, uh, I did not know that. And you can't know that right? because that's how it works, you know. Like yeah. that's like how mental illness and these things work. They live in your brain and they convince you that that is the right thing to save your life in a lot of situations. And mm. so then when it starts happening and it's it's a sort of like it's it's a defense mechanism and you're doing it in in situations when you don't need to be saved, you know, when it's not a survival. Cause that's the thing. PTSD creates survival mechanisms that just like, uh, start to run your life, you know? Yeah. Um, and I just think that this therapist, um, you know, didn't like the thing is therapists are people too, you know, they're yeah. not like, they're my sister. They're, yeah. They're <laughs> not free from being human. They're not free from also suffering from things. Oh yeah. And all. And so I,
1: all therapists have therapists.
0: Yes. Uh, and I don't know if mine did, you know what I mean? So that's the thing where I'm just like, okay, maybe not, you know, and like, I needed that. That's the other thing too is like, luckily it worked out. It didn't, um, it didn't go super totally wonky or anything like that, but you know, and like, I don't, I don't want to, I know, I know other people who see this person and, and they have a great experience. And so, like I said, it just like, it, 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 it was a long relationship that was like, oh, this is just not... I'm just paying somebody money. So, like, I'm literally just paying somebody money right now. So how and, long were you in the codependent relationship with the therapist? I mean, that was uh, at least eight years.
1: Wow. And then or how long were years. you... Six years. And, I'm
0: sorry. Six years.
1: And how long were you in the codependent romantic relationship?
0: Um, I, uh, I would say... 22 years. <laughs> oh, like multiple. I mean, every, mul- yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, I think, I think I, and, and I mean friendships, I mean, you know, work. Really, it's like it just showed up because I didn't realize, you know, my, my parental relationships are codependent, were codependent, you know, it just showed up in everything.
1: So let me ask you this because I, I've used that term. I used to be, Codependent as well, Uh Uh, and I remember I used it once in front of someone, and he he then asked me about. He thought I meant I was an alcoholic, Mm. and so I just want to clarify for anyone listening. I think what you and I are talking about is is like you said, codependent. And from what I understand, basically what my situation was like, if I was in a relationship with someone, and it wasn't good, even if like it wasn't, but if it unless it was like they were setting my things on fire, you know, like it had to be (laughs) like something I didn't know how to leave because I didn't want to hurt them. And I didn't know how to be alone. And it was a lot of like asking a lot of people, what do you think I should do? And then um, just really not being in touch with what I actually thought and felt. And it all being about my feelings and thoughts were very much indicated by the other person involved. Mm-hmm. and to like make sure they weren't upset, that they were yeah. okay, that they weren't going to leave me and that. And wow, what an exhausting place to
0: be. <laughs> it's it's so exhausting. It's so exhausting and I didn't know that's what I was doing. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like I thought it's for me codependence is like external, everything is external. My yes. internal world is is decided by an external factor that's you know a much I mean? like, easier explanation than what I said Well, but I, I, everything that you said is totally right on you know yeah and like uh what what it comes down to for me is yeah like I and I just did I just didn't know you know what yeah. I mean and like for me the experience of of uh you know just a child raised in you know dysfunction and like I love the people in my family so I say that with like uh you know with like love that's just my experience as a child but it was um chaotic you know and I didn't know it was chaotic because that was all that I knew you know what I mean so then yeah yeah so it creates this uh survival for me it's like a survival tactic of uh well whatever's happening must have been created by me so I (laughs) I must be the problem and I must be the solution to this so it's upon me and then whatever I do like something as uh what sounds crazy now which it actually it is if I you know skip a step on my way upstairs then maybe this will stop happening (laughs) you know what I mean like yours manifested into OCD uh
1: like magical thinking
0: you know magical thinking that's what it is yes I'm (laughs) sorry it's
1: called magical thinking it's so funny because I I love I haven't heard that term in so long I used to try to do a joke about it where I would try to explain what magical thinking was and the audience would often be like, you, we don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But I used to do the same thing, not skip the steps, but um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, cause that's one way of doing it, but it can also Mm -hmm. be, um, Oh man, I'm really failing right now. in how to explain it.
0: it. It can literally be anything. And like the, the only reason I like corrected the OCD thing is cause like, I don't, I, it, it, it was never, uh, I mean, I definitely had obsessive thinking, you know, yes, but I, I did not have like the, I didn't have to do that, those steps every day for me to be okay throughout yes. my, it was like my, my thinking was, well, if I, if I open the door like this, then maybe this will happen, you know, it was just like, it wasn't a, a ritualized, uh, daily practice. I, I, yes. should say. I, I feel like, and I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. Um, Wait, what is the difference with like OCD? Um, Yes. No, you're, you're absolutely correct. And I think that, you know, then that sort of thinking is like, it goes into codependence, which is thinking something I can do, I do Mm -hmm. can change the way somebody thinks or feels about me. Yes. And that is impossible, (laughs) actually, because also what I think they think is only what I think they think. I don't know what somebody thinks about me. It is. The, I, I. I. I didn't realize we had so much in common. I.
1: It is such a. And I'm still like you said. Like it is probably going to be the rest of my life because I do believe that you know, like you said, therapy isn't. It's not like a magical answer, right? No. Yeah. Nothing that we do just Half sort of. Yeah, you, you, you're still who you are. Like, that's the thing. You can be an improved version of yourself. You can be the most, in, you can try to become a more in touch version of yourself, a yeah. more present version of yourself. But those isms, and one of which for me is definitely what other people think and how do I, m- making up the stories, like the looping, like making up the mm-hmm. stories of what they think, obsessing about how I can change it and fix it, and what did I do wrong? Like that yeah. feeling of wrongness. Oh yeah, has destroyed so many things for me in my life. Like when I look back at like opportunities and jobs and relationships, like just that energy of like, like I, I don't know. If that's no one could see my face again. But this sort of <laughs> like, it, to me, I I see myself as very. I don't want to use the word weak because that's so unkind. Because it's not again, it's not my fault. Sure, but. But that like obsession with like trying to f- fix the situation when mm-hmm. sometimes there isn't even a situation.
0: Yeah, and also there's nothing to fix.
1: There's nothing to fix you know? it, it. It's it, like just, it just is.
0: It just know? is.
1: Have, yeah, yeah. So you had so that's so interesting that you were that your codependency was so strong that it went. With your therapist as well, and so you. Oh yeah, I mean it
0: was. I feel like it was manifesting in like literally everything. You know what I mean? It, it could manifest with a, like a server at a restaurant. You know, because yes. like, I just was, <laughs> I was just on edge at every interaction that I had. You know, and I don't want to. It's not. I mean, I just I had like severe anxiety. It's like severe baseline anxiety all the time. You know. And, and so, did you? were you ever alone since you got into your first relationship? Mm
1: -hmm. Had you ever had any time alone?
0: Well, when do you mean, was I ever not, was I ever single? Yes. Like not, not dating. No, not really. Okay. (laughs) And so did you take any time? But I spent alone time, you know? Yes. (laughs) But I was always like losing my mind, you know? But so did you think that, um, like, so bef-
1: when you had that big breakup and then you read the book, did you then take time alone or no?
0: Um, yes, I did.
1: So that was the first time you were single mm-hmm. for a little bit. How long were you
0: single? Um, it was months.
1: <laughs> I mean, hey, it's okay.
0: Yeah, no, it's totally okay because it totally worked out. And it's Is that like, the person oh, you're with okay. now? Yes.
1: Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> They're right next to you. She just, yeah, she just watches. Um, <laughs> she says hi. Hello. Well, I mean, I similarly, I had before I married my husband, I had I had gotten out of like a, I was married and then I got divorced. Then I immediately got into another codependent thing. And then I promised myself I would be single. And I do a lot of air quotes because like I had a lot sure. of flings. Yeah. It, it it was, but I I would get attached to people. Like sure. I, I was single for a year, but I would say the first three people that I was yeah, you were like,
0: ready to mingle. I
1: I was I well no I I wanted to mingle with only them, and they were oh, like yeah. hey, what are you doing? And mm-hmm. then but it was um it was really hard for me. It was really yeah. uncomfortable for me to go with the flow of. Like talk about wanting to control the situation. Like if, if some, suddenly someone didn't, you know, want to, if the vibe was off and dating or whatever, it
0: mm-hmm. would be like,
1: well, what did I do wrong? Right. Yeah. Instead of just, no, this just isn't like a, maybe this just isn't the thing. This just isn't the thing. Right. Yeah. Um, so you, okay. So it's just so interesting. So you had these codependent relationships, you read the book. Mm-hmm. And then was it like, wh- how, what, what, what happened since then? Like, what
0: was the, uh, what was the, what was the, what?
1: I guess what was there like a moment where it sort of clicked or was it just sort of over time or,
0: you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's been my experience. Um, I've, you know, had, uh, you know, different, how, how do I put this? Uh, I mean, it just led me down a path towards different things. You know, like one of the other subjects that I brought up to you for this podcast was like, so I feel like something else that changed and that I was able to do through this same practice. Like it was just moving towards uh, the light instead of like the fear and anxiety of, you know, failure, or did I do it wrong or whatever? It was like, I, I just like made this promise to myself, which then I realized like, Oh, I was making a promise to like the universe where I was like, I'm just going to say yes to things. And we were talking at the top about like, I said yes to too many things. And then I would cancel it. But I was like, I'm going to say yes to like friendship and like community. Mm. And like, I'm not going to do stand up right now. (laughs) You know, like, that's actually not the place I need to be right now. You know, like, and I just it was like, I had this thought one time, and I said, Yes, and I did it. Um, And then somebody like asked me to dinner. And then that's how I like met my partner. Like we just sat down, across from each other. And it was just like this really nice way of meeting some, you know what I mean? And I I was just like, cause I had similar, I was like, all right, well, shouldn't, shouldn't I be single for X amount of time? And shouldn't I do it like this and do it like, and I was like, no, that's like an old way of thinking. That's Mm -hmm. like really loud, obnoxious thinking. And like, this is just like, just follow the thing, just follow the path that seems to be unfolding in front of you. Um, and I've, you know, stubbed my toe on plenty of rocks, but I feel like I continue to go down that path instead of like, um, forcing something and like, just like bending metal until it snaps, you know, like that's, that's, I feel like how I was operating for a really long time of just like, I have, I have to force this thing into this other thing. And then it has to go like this or else everything is wrong. And like, you know, that's not actually how it works. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I can, but it's it's really uh, excruciating. <laughs> you
1: know? So the dinner invite, was it someone you knew or didn't know?
0: It was somebody I knew. Um, and uh, it was like a musician that I knew. And, and they happened to be in town. And they were they just texted me out of nowhere. You know, it was like somebody that I was friends with, but not like super close or anything. And they were like, yeah, I'm having dinner why don't you come to this thing? And I was like, great. <laughs> sounds good. I'll go. And you just went with your intuition. Yeah. I just went with it. Cause I was like, you know, I would always say yes to things because I thought it, Oh, I'll get this job or I'll get that or this op- you know, it's like everything had to have some other meaning to it, you know, or like some ulterior motive of like, well, who's going to be there and what's going to happen. Do I need to, be but, but you know, all this stuff. And I just was like, that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, Oh, that sounds fun <laughs> to do. It sounds like you were
1: really, which I think is a very common thing, like living outside of yourself, which, you know, is the whole point of like meditation and mindfulness. Uh, Cause I had two, it's so funny. Cause when you told me the thing about the book and the breakup, uh, I have two books that have, so when, when I was getting my divorce, mm-hmm. I had already made the decision that I was going to, and I had a really lovely marriage. It just mm-hmm. wasn't the right time. Yeah. Um, and I probably shouldn't have gotten married to begin with, but, uh, I knew that I was going to ask for a divorce, but we had already had tickets to go to a cabin with his whole family
0: in Montana.
1: So I went knowing it was essentially my goodbye. It was like I saw his parents. And they had no idea. And I was like, really having a hard time. Like, I wow. do not have a good poker face. So, you know, we would be like hiking and looking at moose. And, you know, we the were the just bathroom. like crying the whole time. Well, I would be like, <laughs> I use the bathroom and then, you know, we're in a cabin. So there wasn't that much privacy and I would just lose it. And for some reason, I brought Eckhart Tolle's,
0: sure? uh, it's, uh, wait, what is it? Uh did he do the power of now? Is that he did it?
1: power of no wait, is the power of now?
0: Yes, I believe it's the power
1: yeah. of now if I'm saying the wrong book, but it was it's the Eckhart Tolle's book. Yeah, I think it's the power of
0: now. It's really intense. It's yeah. really heady. And also, so in the, just, just even the phrase, the power of now in that scenario is oh. incredible. I'm, I, I mean, I don't want to laugh at your pain. You it's like, that is the most like, hilarious thing to be reading in that moment. The yep. power of- <laughs>
1: right now. <laughs> so I would be reading it and then I would go in the bathroom and like cry so hard. I would basically vomit and then oh come out God. and be like, they're like, are you okay? I'm like, it's a really intense book. And <laughs> And so that was, and that like made a huge shift. I mean, I already had made the decision to end the relationship, but that book definitely, I guess, cemented some things for me. And then oddly, it's funny because these are both like two of the most intense books I've ever read. And then in my my second big breakup, I started reading Untethered Soul. Oh my. Have you read that? No. (laughs) (laughs) So that one hits upon a lot of mortality stuff. Sure. Actually, think, yeah. And it was, I think I was audio listening to it. Oh no. Uh, I mean, it was, it was during the single year where I was like having fun and having flings and stuff, but like there's this one part in an untethered soul where he's basically like, if you, the way he worded it was essentially about like, if you knew you were going to die. Yeah. In the next, I don't know if it was like week or month or something like that. Like, would you be spending your time the way that you're spending right. it now? Right. And I was like, absolutely fucking lutely not. <laughs> Who wrote that one? Uh, yeah. that is I should know these things. It's okay, I'll share it all. It's um wait, untethered so oh Michael Allen Singer. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And then the um the Eckhart Toll one is uh just I wanna share it with both people for everybody. Yeah. Footnotes for everyone is he wrote in. he wrote the power. Yeah. Power of now and a new earth. Yeah. Yeah. It was the power of now. Anywho. So it is interesting that certain books or podcasts like this one, or, you know, movies and stuff like like, do come into your life when you're ready for them. And I, I think it's pretty cool that like you had purchased that book at one point in your life. Oh, yeah. But maybe if you read it, then it would have done nothing. Yeah, I mean, it it didn't.
0: (laughs) You know, like, what's amazing (laughs) is I had like a bookmark in that book. And so I could see where I stopped, you know, (laughs) and I like read past it, you know, and it it was really wild to like, to read that because I I, the the touchstone of both of those times, um, when I bought the book, and then when I read it, is just like, the 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 biggest grief that I'd ever experienced yeah and each one was different you know in in a lot of ways and so I guess I was just I was I was consumed by grief the first time like I just because I had I had no tools I had no I I couldn't even pick up a book you know what I mean like that's how consumed by uh grief and then also uh a, a lack of uh tools and like ability to sort of like the best way I can describe it mentally and emotionally is like I I literally do not know how to swim like I can be in a pool you know I had swim lessons when I was seven but that's it and so I like I, I it, can yeah get... yes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know I also took swim lessons at seven yeah. but I can wow, only do paddle. Hell? Wow, we are, like, spiritually connected, <laughs> like, thoroughly, Julia. This is yeah. amazing. Doggy paddle. Um, I'm a doggy paddler. Yeah, like, I can maybe do that. I can't even really do that. Like, it's it's a weird combination of, like, this and this, like, swim swimming my arms out, and then, like, I can do the legs really hard. I don't understand treading water. I can't float on top of it. I've gotten a lot better lately, but, like, it, I had a tremendous fear of drowning. Like, I still do. Yes, um, of course. Water is terrifying. Ter- water is terrifying. We die in it very easily. Like we're not designed for that. <laughs> we figured it out, you know. Like great, um, but that's the only way I can describe it. Is like if you and and it, it is hard for somebody who knows how to swim because they learned when they were so young that it is just like it feels innate. Um, but if you don't know how to swim, you don't know how to swim, and you feel like you're drowning all the time when you're in water. Whereas right. somebody who knows how to swim feels as though they're swimming until they are drowning, you know? And so that that to me is like, you know, the the person who's able to swim has been given those tools and it's not, neither is like a privilege or anything. It's just an experience. And so like, I just, I did not know what to do. I did not know what to do.
1: Rhea, I love, (laughs) I've used the analogy of drowning a lot, but I've never thought of it in that way of like, if you, Yes, if you don't know how to swim, you do think you're always drowning. Yes. Yeah, I, it have, is... I have
0: drowned before, though. Well, but you made it out.
1: <laughs> right? Well, I thought well, I was, was dying. It? I mean, of course was... you did. It, it was. <laughs> I think I was eleven. And wow. I was at a place called Water Country in Nashua, New Hampshire, oh, and right. the the theme song to Water Country, I think it still is, it goes, "Water Country, Water Country, ooh, have some fun, have some fun," <laughs> and I hear it as, "Ooh, I am dying, I yeah. am dying." I was in, I was in the wave pool. I was with my, my family, oh. my parents and my sister. And then we went with like my, my aunt, uncle and their kids. So it was like two or I think it was three families actually of cousins and, and my parents and stuff. And they all were like, you know, eating salami sandwiches or whatever it is my family does. And I went to the wave pool and I I went in ankle deep because I was scared. I'm very scared yeah. of waves, water. I I like water, calm water, Mm -hmm. because I can doggy paddle, not to brag, and I can float. Yeah. But waves, I hate. Yeah, they're scary. They're violent. They're Mm -hmm. mean. They're, you can't play, I don't like it. And so uh, I was in ankle deep, and then the wave pool just, like, started. And before I knew it, I got dragged under. Yep. And I remember my little 11-year-old body. I remember the swimsuit I was wearing. And I just remember my head going, oh, I'm dying. Yeah. And I didn't even try to paddle out. I just went limp because I was under there for so long. And then uh, right when I was, I think, dying, this woman lifted me up. And I was now in eight feet of water. So I had traveled from – You know, six inches front to the back, to front to the back, (laughs) and I think the lifeguards probably saw me and thought that I was just like playing. And so this woman lifted me up, and she was like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "No." And then I walked to my family, and they were like, "Where have you been? Like, we're almost done with all the mortadella and prosciutto." And I was like, "Oh, I almost drowned." And they all, I think they all started like laughing at me, which is very unlike them because. My mom is so overprotective and like sure. very, my parents, like very like frightened and stuff. But I think they were so, I was so upset that they didn't know what to do, but laugh. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I mean, I've been terrified of waves since, um, wow. That was a tangent,
0: but, uh, <laughs> no, I, I felt, I was right there with you. I had a, not a similar experience, but I, I was in a wave pool and that scared the shit out of me too. Also wave pools are kind of like the craziest energy, like my friend uh, was like, my friend Nate was like, to just talking about like how much actual energy we have to create to make a wave like that is bonkers insane that we waste that much like actual like coal energy to do that. When you really think about, about
1: it. it. Yeah. yeah we can just go in the ocean.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's very against God, you know, I mean? <laughs> to do that. <laughs> it's such a waste. <laughs>
1: So you said something earlier that I wanted to go back to because I think it's really important. It's something that I learned yeah. very recently. So you were talking about intuition and you are talking about anxiety. And I something I've really struggled with in my meditation and mindfulness practice is I think I have very strong intuition. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I don't know if I'm having... But because I have such strong intuition, then sometimes mm-hmm. when I have a paranoid thought, I'm like, "What well, is that like my intuition? Yeah. Is that my intuition? And I really couldn't find, I recently found a good explanation of the difference, but I'm curious to know if you have an explanation of the difference for yourself.
0: I mean, I think it's a, it's a daily practice getting to know that, you know, like it's, it's, there's, I don't think there's a, for me, my experience thus far has been that there's, I don't know that there's ever going to be an, an answer that settles it you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh each time is different you know but i do know that um one thing that i've learned that i take into account when when there's any time i feel an urgency if i have a thought that is paired with urgence then that's not intuition yeah okay that's cool like, that's my will you know or my like ego or whatever um, getting into like fear-based things. If if I feel an urgency now, of course we're not talking about like somebody, call my partner being like, I need an ambulance. Like that's very different. <laughs> like yeah. if I'm in my house and my brain is like, you gotta get on Twitter right now. Like then I should probably not. Let's let's not do that. You know, or you gotta go do this. You gotta call this person. You gotta do that. Like that is definitely if there's urgency involved. Um, then the best thing is to probably wait. You know, yeah. and see. Um, cause odds are when, when that comes up that way and I don't do it, everything's still probably fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I found that. my way about five minutes and I don't have to wait five minutes in stillness in meditation. In this, th- it's like, oh, uh, often like, and I said this before in the podcast too, but like when I get thoughts like that, of like, you got to do this, you got to call this person, you got to do this, you got to take care of this, you got to do, 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 do all this stuff. I will take like, uh mindful breath if if i'm on top of it and then if i'm like well here's the thing bud that i mean that sounds like a great idea however the thing is you have dirty dishes in your sink so what if we do the dishes first and see how we feel about it because yeah. by the time i do my dishes i've already forgotten about it <laughs> yeah or i've completely changed the way i feel about it um and oftentimes i have to use something i get to use something like that of like Yeah. I don't think you need to call people and tell them what to do when you have dirty dishes in your sink. So let's take care of that first, you know? Also also washing dishes, I find to be very soothing. It can be. Yeah. I don't like it, but it has become a thing that I do with regularity, you know, because it is something that keeps me sane, literally keeps me sane.
1: So I had my Oracle cards done.
0: Oh yeah. And
1: this woman was amazing. She's an intuitive, it wasn't like, it wasn't, you know, she's not a psychic and she, but she has a therapy lean to what she does. And, Mm -hmm. um, uh, my sister knows her through work. And so I had her and I, uh, I asked her about this because she was saying that I have really strong intuition, but then we also talked about anxiety. And I was like, well, what, how do you see the difference? And it was a very similar response to what you said. So I I think you're on the right track, Uh, which, uh, which, you know, well, if if you intuitively feel like you're on the right track, then you're on the right track. But she said, or she said, it wouldn't, you're when you're having an intuitive thought, there isn't that like sort of electrical fear behind it. Like, So for example, and the two examples I can think of in my own life are that, so what my anxiety tends to manifest uh, a lot with like social stuff. So kind of what we were saying earlier about like other people. So sometimes I'll be like, so-and-so is mad at me because they didn't text back. They have a life, you know, but I just. Yeah, you know, I've I've unfortunately, you know, maybe I had a couple bad instances as a teenager with friends. And now I everyone I'm afraid everyone's mad at me. So if my reaction to that is, Oh, my God, what am I gonna do? What did I do? I'm gonna co- I'm let me go back and read our text and see what I did wrong. And, and it's like coming from this panicked place, then that is anxiety. But if it's like, huh, so and so is being kind of weird, you know what, I'm gonna give them some space. Or, like, I'm going to check in and there's no fear behind it. No. Or, you know what? That person doesn't like me. Oh, well, I just know that now. You know, like, if not not that it's so easy. Like, of course, it hurts mm-hmm. when someone is being off. But so many times it actually has nothing to do with you. I would say every time it has nothing to do with you. <laughs> well, but sometimes you do get, you've never had, I have had situations before. Where I've been like, it's, I feel like my friend and then... Very, very rarely. I'm talking about like one out of a, you know. I know. That's
0: what I mean. That's like, yeah, that's so little. One out of a thousand. Yeah. (laughs) But that one out of a thousand. I mean, yeah, it is one. And, but, but, you know, that's, that's so, that's still so rare, you know? Yeah. But I'm saying, I do think it's a hard thing.
1: Which thing is a hard thing? to, To differentiate anxiety and intuition.
0: Certainly, because they they all live in the brain in a in a language way. Yeah. But intuition is also in it's in your body, in your heart space. Yeah. Like we we think that our brains like run the whole thing, you know, but they don't. They actually interpret everything. Yeah. Like our bodies are more I don't want to say more important. But we have this hierarchy because our brains are at the top of the thing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like that's what, you know, sets us apart from the other animals, is that we have these these brains, the brains that we have. But like our intelligence is only based on interpretation. Yeah, and our intelligence can often be to our detriment because it, you know most often is.
1: My dog is has been so limited. My dog has been asleep on the bed behind me this entire podcast. Yeah. She couldn't be happier. She woke up two hours ago. She for sure. 14 hours last night. She, did, yeah. she She ate some treats. She doesn't give a fuck who's mad at her. She doesn't no. care who's texting her back. Nobody's mad at her. She
0: doesn't have thumbs. But that's, like, that's also just like an old story that everybody's mad at me. When I get stressed out, yeah. get, my brain convinces me, oh, everybody's mad at you. And it's just not true. You have that too? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but here's some, <laughs> somebody told me this about anxiety and also... um you know, like depression, like, um, uh, worry about the past is, is depression and worry about the future is anxiety. And so like the best way to get out of either of those things is to be in the present. And so like, yeah, there's so many times that I have gone, played the tape out that like, Oh, this person isn't responding to me because I don't like, like we're in this podcast right now. And my friend has sent me like a bunch of text messages. And I know that I'm not upset with that person. I have nothing. I'm in a podcast right now. And so that is, I'm committed to this podcast. And so I will text her as soon as I get out. And I know that about myself. Therefore, I can give that to other people. Yeah. And just go like, oh, that person is probably has something going on. Yeah. Even though my brain is like, see, see, they don't like you. But it is just trying to make me really small. And it's trying to have me have a tiny little sad life, you know. And yeah. uh, that just isn't what's inside of my heart, you know. My yeah. heart is like, I don't know, man. Let's find out. Let's have fun. Let's go try it out. But like, that is a vulnerable place, you know. Yeah, and, uh, and it's only recently that I've I've begun to learn the difference, or like what vulnerability actually can be. You know, yeah. I thought it was just like sharing all your trauma with some? No, that's, that's not it at all. Actually. <laughs> I,
1: I, I, I can
0: believe, be very violent. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like Bre- Brene Brown, I'm going to misquote her. Do you know, you know, Brene Brown, right? Of course. Yeah. yeah. yeah the, the vulnerability queen. I um, sure, yeah. remember her saying something along the lines of like that. We think vulnerability is sharing it with a lot of people, but that's actually, uh, I forget, I forget the term she used, but it's yeah. like when you're attacking people with all of your feelings and thoughts, You really need to step back and think, are you sharing because you're seeking validation? Yeah. Because that's actually not vulnerability. But if you're sharing because you're connecting Mm -hmm. and there's like a true sharing of feelings and ideas, then that's actual vulnerability. Yeah. And that really stuck with me because I thought it like changed my comedy in many
0: ways too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It'll change the experience of comedy period. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) When you're just like, oh, um, wow.
1: Well, this was so good. I feel like I have so many more books I want to read. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, I was gonna share because like that quote that you—I I know you're wrapping up—but I, I just wanted to toss out there that um, something yeah. that I listened to recently that's relatively short. Yeah. Um, that that feels like perhaps that person that that wrote the Untethered Soul maybe got this from, but um, the Four Agreements. Have you ever read that oh. or listened to that? Don John- Miguel Ruiz. The Four yeah, Agreements course. was
1: is one of the books. I haven't read it yet this year, but I read it once yeah. a year, oh, and nice. I've given it yeah. to so
0: many friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a power, powerful thing. Yeah. and so what were you say about it? That's all. I was just going to bring it up that I listened to it recently. And, uh, I, 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 I like a lot of the things in there. There's some really powerful spiritual stuff in there that I think is really wonderful. And I yeah. just wanted to like share it because <laughs> it came up, you know, in my mind as we were talking. So, cause yeah, I feel too- like the, the, just do your best is like such a, I, lo- I love that there's all these things that are like, wow, this sounds like really intense and woof, wow, blah, 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 the the warrior of the mind and the, the heart and all this. And then the last thing is just do your best because that's yeah, it. Well, that that well, is the thing is, like just do your best. And um, that's what therapy is. Like you said, it's
1: not going to cure you, but therapy is supposed to help you be your best with like the tools you have.
0: And, yeah. And, and it, what it's, you're it's, it's a way to get things out and look at them. You know, yeah. like these things that we hold in because we think they're shameful or whatever. And and I mean, that's mindful, sh- you know, like the stuff that people share in comedy, it's like, mm, you should maybe see a- somebody about that. But, you, know, you <laughs> know, not because it's like, it's just like, uh, you know, I, you, I, I I found myself to it's like, oh, is this, why am I sharing this right now? You know what I mean? Like, what am I trying to get out of this? And not- if you're, you have to get to the place where you're not trying to get all the time, you know, where it just is that that to me is like that to me is also indicative of intuition versus whatever whatever yeah. other ego it whatever you want to call sub Subcon- you know getting into the subconscious is like there's there's no i have zero expectation there's nothing i'm trying to get out of this or gain or change it is just it is just me it just is like oh i'm going to try this i'm going to do this you know yeah when you're just trying to gain stuff you actually end up feeling empty truly it's
1: it's very <laughs> rapid you know it's so funny yeah. i almost feel i almost I'm hesitating opening this can of worms at the end of the podcast, but I will say something that is a very funny observation. And I say this because I feel like I am talking to myself Great. Uh, and what you're saying is as some, it's, it's wild because as somebody who has some social anxiety, as we've both mm-hmm. described about like are people mad or people think, and then you've mentioned Twitter so many times. Sure. I can say with a hundred percent certainty People like us should probably not be on social media. I know. <laughs> Talk about a place to make up stories. Oh, about yeah. Or thinking. Yeah. Are they, oh, you, this person didn't. Well, did you not see? Well, uh, like, yeah. it is...
0: I don't even. Thank God, this wasn't around when I was a teenager. Oh yeah, I don't think I would have made it. Honestly, yeah. like it would not. I would. I thank God, you know, literally. But like, I mean, yeah. I would say today, like, I like, I made a mistake. I did. I made a mistake. I shot off a tweet that was like just misguided and short-sighted. And luckily, like, here's the here's the upside of it. Uh, I have connected in ways with people who are willing to say, "Hey, hey, buddy," you know, <laughs> and yeah. kindly point out my mistake or issue uh on the thing and then also just send a longer dm that's like hey just to let you know and like the thing i sent was damaging the small the damaging i the damage was like small enough uh, I-, I i found it quick enough that it didn't create a huge problem thank god and create yeah. this big thing and like it gave me an opportunity to really truly apologize and just be like this is how i did this is I see what I did and I apologize and then have like a kind conversation with people. It's possible that I should just not be on it at all. But I also appreciate the opportunities that it gives me to make mistakes and then correct them in a positive yeah. and like semi-public way. Yeah,
1: I, I've had a similar experience in that sense of, I don't really fight with people. To be honest, mm-hmm. a lot of times if like some strangers are getting mad at me, I end up just deleting shit because I'm like, sure. I'm tired. I don't even I don't mm-hmm. even know you. Are you a real person? You could just be a photo. So I'm seeing it would be so lovely if everybody had I know <laughs> that experience of like, oh my bad. Yeah. Oh, that hurt your feelings. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Peace out. You know? But I um know maybe
0: if they all read these books, they would be it's super hard. It's cause you have to get, you have to get out of yourself and be like, Oh shit. You know? And like, cause the first reaction is to get mad and give excuses and, yeah. you know, cause we're humans and we get scared, we get cornered or whatever. And it's like, Oh, slow down, buddy. You know? And like, yeah. I haven't always d- done it, you know, uh, great or whatever, but every opportunity provides, you know, growth. So <laughs> I don't know, and I'm, uh, I'm hopeful that people see it. Like when you do it, when I do it, that people see it and they go, "Oh, that's a way you can respond." Okay, you know. Yeah, and absolutely. I'm not making the mistakes to then because I just, you know, I made a mistake. Like <laughs> that's period. It, and I would like to make less of them, but um, it does provide that opportunity, and I'm like grateful for that. To just go like, okay. okay, well, I, we can put it out there. It's possible. You don't. I also don't have to write some huge screed of like, this is what I learned or what it's like, you can just yeah. do the thing, change it and go, okay, moving on with my day. You know, like, cause ultimately the thing I did was just that. It was just short sighted, uh, a mistake. And, and I was like t- taking anger about other things and putting it towards something I didn't fully understand. And like, uh, that happens. It's a human thing. Yeah. You know? and Rhea, this was so great.
1: Um, uh before I end the show two things one I ask every guest very important question Great. should I should I get bangs
0: I'm gonna go with no okay
1: That's my very popular response. My, my
0: experience of bangs my own experience of bangs has been stressful mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and that it, as soon as I get bangs I don't want bangs anymore so yeah. I feel like I don't I, if I can save you that experience, I'm going to do it. You know, I really but appreciate it
1: would look amazing in banks. Oh, that is so kind. <laughs> uh, probably not going to get them, but I appreciate <laughs> it. And uh, anything you want to share with anyone listening where they can find you? What they oh, can- sure.
0: I mean, you can find me making mistakes on Twitter, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um and on Instagram. Um, I do Instagram lives on Sunday mornings at noon. I mean, I guess that's afternoon. Um, which is, has been really fun talking with people. I also am on Cameo. If anybody's interested uh, in nice. Cameo, I do a lot of birthdays and a lot of just like pep talk shout outs. It's been very fun uh, to meet new people and, and say hi to people and learn about their pets and things. So that's cool. That's fun. I feel like it's it's a relatively cheap thing. Um, and then also I have a new album out that's called Pull Yourself Up, by Your Bootleg. It's on a special thing record. So you can get it on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or if you go to a special you can buy a pin for $10 and get the download for free. So also Apple music or whatever. I think I'm on title too, too, which is Ooh, I feel like very I cool. Very cool. <laughs> Maria, so, yeah, those you. are all
1: the things. Awesome. Thank you so much. We have my therapist expert, who is also my sister, back on the show. And I always, I, like, I feel like I do these intros so formally to you where I'm like, hello, Elena. Welcome. Thanks for coming back. It's like you're my sister. Like, hey. Hey. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, so Rhea talked a bit about, uh, one of the things that that they talked about was leaving their therapist. Um, they described it as being a codependent relationship, not the best therapist situation. So I thought something good to talk to you about as a therapist would be how does one leave a therapist and how does one know if they should leave a therapist? Like what what would you define as a bad therapist, I guess?
2: Sure, sure. Yeah, no, definitely. Um that is ironic that with the codependency and then feeling bad about leaving, because that is actually the big thing is like some people go to therapy and then that might be something that they're actually working on is like, you know, I feel bad, you know, I feel responsible for someone. So I could totally see why that would be, uh, you know, a problem. But anyways, to, to for bad, I don't know if I want to say bad, but maybe someone that's not working. Cause you, you could have someone just not click with somebody, I guess. But I guess if you feel like you're going week after week and you're leaving, more confused than when you go in. I mean, you should definitely be feeling stuff after a session. But if you don't feel like you're feeling better, I mean, I I don't know how else to explain it. Like, like, you should start to feel like either things are starting to make sense. So when I say feeling better, not like, oh, I'm going to go in feeling sad, I'm going to leave feeling happy each time. That's not how therapy works. Um, But it's more like, you're actually doing the work, but you trust this person. That's the word I'm looking for. You feel safe and you trust this person Mm -hmm. with being open and honest and vulnerable. If you go to therapy and you feel like uncomfortable, if you feel like you're being judged, um, if they start to share too much about themselves, like those would be some red flags, I guess.
1: I don't know if you remember this, but I had a therapist briefly, God, it must've been like I don't even know what time means anymore. Maybe it was 15 years ago, but it was in New York. I think, I think it was our third, she would talk about her, like, I, I totally like it when people, including therapists refer to their own life as like, well, for me, you know, this, like it, it's relatable. Right. But she would latch onto something I said, and then talk about her daughter for like 10 minutes it, it was a very long time where i'm like wait who's the therapist here and then one time i felt like she was dozing off which i was like okay whatever she's sleepy but the the main thing that made me leave and i actually got advice from you to leave was that i started seeing her mostly because at the time i had i was like bulimic ish, I say ish only because, you know, like many things in my life in the past, I had a hard time fully committing to it, I would like go through phases of it, right. And so I had finally quit, you know, stopped the bulimic behavior, but I was still binging because I was still using food to feel better. But I wasn't purging anymore. So I definitely had put on some weight. And I expressed this to her how like, you know, I felt like I was making progress because I wasn't binging and purging but I was still binging and she's like yeah I didn't want to mention it but like you have gained some weight since we started seeing each other and I I didn't understand why like it wasn't even there was no um like reflection she offered with it it just felt like she was being mean so I called you and you were like wait what and so I ended up (laughs) parting ways with her
2: yeah um, yeah that
1: time but i I just and ever since then I've had only great therapists, but this woman was I can't remember her name mm-hmm. I would not that I would say it on air, but um, yeah, like so in a situation like that i don't I don't even think I gave her feedback, though that's the thing, so I'm curious with you as a therapist, if somebody leaves,, mm-hmm. would you want them
2: to give feedback, or is it kind of like not their responsibility um, I mean we're trained to have what's called a termination session, meaning either both parties sort of feel like, okay, it's time to, you know, we've done our work, like we're ready, you know, it's it's not like you just decide one day I'm done. Um, But I have had clients for whatever reason, maybe, you know, there's something called transference that happens where, like, you might remind someone of someone else, like that's, why sometimes you may not get a job. Like you might remind someone of like their ex that they couldn't stand. And it's not personal, but it's like, oh, it's just they probably couldn't imagine hiring somebody that reminds you of their ex. You know what I mean? So I've had clients say to me, Yeah, I don't know what it is. I just feel like we don't click. And and it's it's okay. Like I want them to get, you know, whatever they need. Um, and then other times I've had people, I guess, like ghost me, if you will. I mean, it's happened a couple times with colleagues, but um Yeah, they don't owe you an explanation. But we have been trained when it's time to end, whether they're ending because they just, you know, it's not working, or you both decided is you're supposed to kind of this like, kind of goodbye therapeutic session. And do you so
1: you think transference sometimes is so how does somebody know if they don't like their therapist, because it's a transference issue, or it's a they their therapist is not a great therapist for them?
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's like counter transference, transference. Um, Forgive me, I can't remember which one is with which person, but that's, that's the two terms. Um, I think, you know, depending on the person, if they're someone that is going to therapy, because they are a people pleaser, and they avoid conflict, then they may not feel comfortable bringing it up, because they might see you as a position of authority, and they don't want to hurt your feelings, Mm -hmm. um, because they feel responsible. However, if they have no problem sharing. It actually could be a very therapeutic. Uh, uh I have actually a, a story to share. I ran into a client of mine in the grocery store once, not knowing I ran into her because she came to a session. And at the end of the session, I thought she was acting kind of different. She said to me, you know what? I saw you at the grocery store, but you didn't say hello to me. And I said, Oh my goodness, I did not see you. Like I really did not see this woman. Um, and she took it very personally and was afraid to come back to therapy because she thought I was like ashamed to see my client. Like it actually became a very therapeutic session. And I'm so thankful that she brought it up because it helped her realize this narrative that she goes in her mind and how she personalizes things very easily.
1: Oh my God. I had <laughs> I had this uh, therapist in New York who was fantastic, but one of the things I would talk to her about was... Uh, how sensitive I am when people don't get back to me. Ah. And uh, that was like the main thing that we worked on. She was also like an energy healer. She was amazing. And, uh, and that one of the main things I, I talked to her about was sort of this paranoia of like thinking people are mad at me or like, you know, thinking the worst, like what did I do wrong? Like, It's, it's very, it's a very annoying quality and she was awesome in helping me with it. And then I <laughs> texted her when I had my baby earlier this year just because I thought she would want to know I don't know maybe I like crossed a boundary but I I thought we were cool like that and she didn't respond like I sent a baby photo and I was like hey I just wanted to let you know because we had talked a little bit about that in our sessions too about like me possibly having kids and she didn't respond and I was like don't you remember the thing that we worked on was that I don't do well with people not responding to oh my goodness (laughs) but I wish her the best um the transference thing, though, is really interesting because not only in therapy, but I, I had an acting teacher tell me that once because I had a really, like, bad interaction with a potential manager, and and they kind of, like, fucked with me for no reason. I remember telling her about it. I'm like, am I being too sensitive? She's like, no, I I bet you anything you reminded this guy of, like, an ex-girlfriend mm. or, like, a bully. And I was like, oh, okay, so now I just use the transference excuse, every time I don't book a job or anytime, any, I'm like, Oh, yeah, it's not me. It's because I remind them of so and so. So that's a good delusional tip. Yeah, you like you proposed. just
2: don't know why well, believe the story. There's no fact behind it. So you may as well say, Hey, it could be this, it could be that you just don't know. That's the part that's hard to accept. Oh, man, what a
1: waste of energy trying to figure
2: out. <laughs> everyone else.
1: But you get paid to figure out other people, but I'm saying for the average person. Right. Um, Well, thank you so much. Uh, And obviously, you are a perfect therapist. So uh, that's all. Thank
2: you, Elena. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank
1: you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you are listening to it. And I will see you next week. Bye.